For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Signs, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I will preview Thursday night clash between the Jaguars and Titans. I will also recap some of Week 13's games and break down the implications of Mike McCarthy's firing. The Jaguars snapped their seven-game losing streak in Week 13 and now aim to spoil the Titans' playoff chances in prime time. While the Jaguars have encountered a roller coaster season, head coach Doug Marone is focused on the task at hand and understands the challenge it will be to play in Tennessee. They're a good football team. They really are. So, you know, we're going to their place on a Thursday night, so it'll be a tough environment. And, you know, we've got to do the best job we can this week to get our guys ready. The Titans have won three of their last five games and will look to keep their playoff hopes alive when they host the Jaguars on Thursday. With their offense lacking explosive plays, head coach Mike Vrabel says they must find more ways to get Taewon Taylor the ball down the field. You know, we have to do more of that just to keep teams, um, you know, from uh, you know, sitting on you and, and, and bodying it up at the top of the route. Um, so, just uh, it's good to see Taewon be able to uh, stretch the defense and, and go make a play. And, uh, you know, I know Marcus would... Uh, would like to have the one back, but you know, to be able to hit two of those to to change field position and momentum, certainly would like to have as many of those every week as we could. I will discuss all that and more coming up in the latest episode of the Chase Podcast. The Fall is another production of the Chase Podcast, covering the latest news and analysis around the National Football League. Turn the volume up. The Chase is on and the Chase is live. Now, let's save to your voice.
It is Wednesday, December 5th on the Chase Podcast. Isaac Signs with you here for a midweek edition of the Chase Podcast. Of course, there's plenty more to discuss surrounding the NFL, including my Thursday night football preview between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. Before I get there, I do want to recap week 13 just a bit. And with that being said, I'd like to talk about what I think was the most impressive victory to go along with the most disappointing defeat and or performance. And so on that note, the most impressive win of week number 13 there's plenty of candidates you go back to last thursday the cowboys and their dominance over drew Brees in that high-powered saints offense you see the patriots that throttled the vikings at home but i'm gonna go with the los angeles chargers and their 33 to 30 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night football. The overlooked Chargers entered play without their all-pro running back Melvin Gordon, who suffered an MCL sprain a couple of weeks ago. They were there with Austin Eckler and an undrafted rookie, Justin Jackson, to replace him. Pittsburgh is one of the toughest places to play. And then on top of that, the Steelers are... Very difficult to knock off when they're playing in front of their home fans. And while the Steelers were favored by many, the Chargers came into town and they put together an impressive come-from-behind victory, rallying from 16 points down in the third quarter, winning it 33-30 to over Pittsburgh. In the first half, the Steelers, they had a 23-7 lead. And the Steelers, by the way, had twice as many first downs as Los Angeles and the long-standing potent Rappaport between Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown was at its best, resulting in six receptions for 117 yards and one 46-yard sideline grab that led to a Pittsburgh touchdown so they were firing on all cylinders and really Roethlisberger had a chance to put the nail in the coffin so to speak in Los Angeles however he threw a costly interception to Derwin James deep in Chargers territory which sent it into halftime at 23 to 7 but I gotta tell you what The rest of the NFL is listening and are aware of how good this Chargers team is. They're now 9-3 following their victory over the Steelers. And the major difference this year for Anthony Lynn's team is the fact that they've been able to win close games despite enduring consistent kicking issues. Michael Bagley missed a field goal there in the first half. So they're continuously having a revolving door at the kicker position. But Phillip Rivers, at 37 years old, is having himself probably the best season of his career. He went 26 of 36 for 299 yards and two touchdowns. Keenan Allen had a huge day as well. But this defense of Los Angeles, they finally have a fully healthy Joey Bosa 
to pair with Melvin Ingram, Casey Hayward on the outside. This is a dangerous team. And all this just to think that they're in second in the AFC West behind the Kansas City Chiefs who have two losses. And it's worth noting that these two teams will play each other again before the season is over. So do not count out the Chargers from winning the AFC West this year. And boy, that would be quite the development with having two potent teams in one division. And you know one of them will end up being in the AFC wildcard mix. And whichever home team has to face the Chargers or Chiefs, that's certainly going to be an unfortunate turn of events for any division winner. So we'll keep tracking that as the season progresses and as week 14 goes on but LA is in prime position to get into the postseason they're now tied with New England who also have a 9-3 and record as well as the Texans who are 9-3 and won their ninth straight game over the Browns on Sunday but what they were able to accomplish without Gordon speaks volumes to the type of depth that this team has and the grit that they show to pull off a significant win on the road. Now I want to talk about the most disappointing loss of week number 13 and I've talked a lot about it in this team and the head coach. It's the Carolina Panthers and their 24-17 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a divisional opponent. The Buccaneers, we know they have the talent right but they've dealt with a lot of injuries this is a defense that has been one of the worst in the NFL and well you figure Cam Newton and this explosive offense that has many weapons and Norv Turner is gelling well with Newton and so in the back of my mind at least I thought this was going to be a high scoring affair in fact I picked the Panthers to win 35-31 over the Buccaneers but I did not expect Carolina to lose yet another game to Jameis Winston and Tampa Bay look only a few days ago it seems like Cam Newton said he was straight up playing the best football of his career but four interceptions and a badly overthrown pass on what could have been the tying touchdown with just over two minutes left on Sunday really does not back that cause I know he got off to a strong start, but this has been a roller coaster campaign for Cam Newton, who just continues to struggle with his consistency and throwing four interceptions to one of the worst secondaries in the NFL does certainly not bode well for the current state of mind that he's in at this time. The wheels have flown off this Carolina Panthers team. They're now 6-6. Six and six. They've gone from one of the best teams in the NFC and on a collision course with the Saints for a potential division title to a team in disarray with four straight losses. And in result, changes were made on Monday. Ron Rivera fired two coaches from his defensive staff, Brady Hokey, the defensive line coach, and assistant secondary and cornerbacks coach Jeff Imamura were both relieved of their duties. And it didn't stop there because Rivera 
announced that he was taking over defensive play calling from his D coordinator, Eric Washington. So that's never a good sign. You know there's pressure mounting on Rivera and this Panthers team, but having such a big loss to Tampa Bay at this point in the season is unacceptable, and it's not hard to understand their owner David Tepper's frustrations with where this team is headed because now they must deal with finding answers over the final four games of the season, starting with a trip to Cleveland to take on Baker Mayfield and a very dangerous Browns team. So the Panthers are not out of the woods yet and it is a very real possibility that they could drop a fifth straight on Sunday. So this Panthers team is backed in a corner. Now we'll just have to see how they respond in week number 14. So on we go to the next trending topic in the NFL. And of course, this was made official on Sunday evening. The Packers finally opted to pull the plug on head coach Mike McCarthy. And so the question is, what's next for Green Bay and this Aaron Rodgers-led team? McCarthy was with the Packers for 13 seasons, 55 years old, led them to Nine playoff appearances, won a Super Bowl title in 2010, compiled a 125-77 and 2 record, was 10 and 8 in the playoffs. And so this guy was really a productive head coach for the Green Bay Packers. I know it's hard to accept that amidst their 4-7 and 1 record here in 2018, but I think the fact of the matter is McCarthy and Rodgers did not see eye to eye. I think their relationship continued to dismantle as the season went on. Both of them took subtle shots at each other in the media in the first month of the season. Rodgers questioning McCarthy's play calling. Vice versa, McCarthy kind of putting Rodgers back in his place saying, Hey, you're not the offensive coordinator. I am. I call the plays and it's your job to run them the way that you can and so there was a lot of friction growing between the two and then you look at the Green Bay Packers fan base these fans have been wanting McCarthy out for a long time now after every loss it seems like there's always an uproar and outrage from Packers fans questioning McCarthy's play calling why Aaron Jones was only touching the ball a handful of times in the second half, why there was so many bubble screens being called, and things just fell all out of whack for Green Bay. This is a team that has lost five of their last six games since their bye week. They're third in the NFC North, going all the way back to the preseason I chose the Packers to at least finish second behind the Vikings and contend for a playoff spot so you know expectations every single season and as long as number 12 is healthy well yes he's battled that knee injury all season but he's been upright and he's progressed as the year has gone on but for a Packers team to not be in the playoff hunt Entering week 14 of an NFL regular season is unheard of. I understand that they are not mathematically out of the playoffs just yet, 
but I just think at this point it's safe to say that you can put a fork in their 2018 season. There's so many other NFC teams that are rising to the occasion and are positioning themselves for a playoff spot. Now, some of the blame many people want to say it's not all McCarthy's fault for the Packers struggles this season. They've criticized Rodgers and have held him to an unrealistic baseline given his age. He just turned 35 and that happened to be the same day that McCarthy was fired on Sunday. Now, Rodgers, this guy, he's missed more underneath throws than he has in years past. He's completing just 68.2% of his passes within five yards of the line of scrimmage, which is below the league average of 73.2% and the worst mark of his career. Now, many of Rodgers' proponents and those who back Rodgers up, they'll turn to this stat that shows an exceptional touchdown-to-interception ratio Rodgers has 21 touchdown passes against just one interception. And a lot of people point to the receivers he's throwing at. Randall Cobb has missed a large portion of this season with a hamstring injury. Then Geronimo Allison's on IR with a core injury. But his receivers that consist of a couple of rookies, they've dropped 201 yards worth of passes this season, which is the most in football so Equinamia St. Brown and Marquez Valdez Scantling who is starting to emerge and has really been silenced the last couple of weeks now the only bright spot for this Green Bay passing attack is Devontae Adams and his connection with Aaron Rodgers as he's already supplanted a thousand yards receiving on the season and wants the respect he believes he should get from his peers and NFL writers and Jimmy Graham, their big free agent acquisition, they gave him a three-year, $30-plus million contract, which was a pretty hefty price for a tight end that's on the wrong side of 30 and has always seems to be dealing with injuries, and he is again. So whether you want to put some blame on Rodgers or not, McCarthy is gone. His tenure is finished. And now the question being asked in Green Bay is, who is next in charge? Who's going to be named the head coach moving forward? And well, I found it interesting because on Monday, Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports put out an article linking Josh McDaniels to Green Bay. Now, of course, McDaniels is the current Patriots offensive coordinator and decided to return to New England on a five-year contract that made him the highest-paid coordinator in the NFL. After spurning the Colts, he initially agreed to become the Colts head coach, but then backed out after having a lengthy conversation with owner Robert Kraft and head coach Bill Belichick. There's a lot of talk over there in New England that Maybe McDaniels is the head coach in waiting. When Bill Belichick calls it a career, whether those reports are accurate or not, that seems to be enough to keep McDaniels anchored there in New England. However, word on the street is that several NFL assistant coaches around the league expect the Packers to target McDaniels in their coaching search. In fact... Robinson said one assistant coach withdrew his name for a college coordinator position 
So he could possibly join McDaniels if he was hired by the Packers. So there is some intrigue with McDaniels. He's 42 years old. He's a younger-minded head coach, of course. He's already had a two-year stint with the Denver Broncos where he had Tim Tebow. He compiled an 11-17 record and was fired after a brief stint. But there's no doubt that McDaniels eventually wants to be a head coach and I don't think there's a more appealing job this offseason other than Cleveland with Baker Mayfield than going to Green Bay to work with Aaron Rodgers who's regarded as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and by many people they think he's the best over Tom Brady so this guy you cannot deny his talent now if McDaniels were to get the job in Green Bay he would have some big shoes to fill you know I just talked about even though McCarthy fell out of favor with the fans he was one of the most successful coaches in Packers history I mean McCarthy he ended his career as the second longest tenured head coach behind Curly Lambeau and he also had the second most regular season wins 125 and most postseason wins 10 in Packers history and of course the Super Bowl title so you know if it's McDaniels coming to Green Bay he's not gonna have a long leash he's gonna be expected to come in with Aaron Rodgers bring his offensive mindset now I gotta mention that is a pretty interesting duo to think about McDaniels and Rodgers you know McDaniels has been working with Brady for the longest time but you pair him now with Aaron Rodgers the sky could be the limit now according to Ian Rappaport the NFL insider two other candidates that he lists right now is Vikings offensive coordinator John DeFilippo who interviewed for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching vacancy last offseason and has been regarded as a pretty highly touted candidate out there because what he brings on the offensive side of the ball of course he was a part of the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl team he was the quarterbacks coach and then another sleeper is Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley who has been generating some interest from the Cleveland Browns and he was linked to the Dallas Cowboys should Jason Garrett be fired which I'm not so sure that looks like it's a possibility at this time but Lincoln Riley if the Packers want to dip into the college ranks he could be a name that Green Bay targets to compliment Aaron Rodgers and this Green Bay team so keep an eye out for him but in the end Green Bay wanted to move on from Mike McCarthy now as opposed to later so they can begin an extensive coaching search that they say will have no boundaries so you can expect candidates from college assistant coaches in the NFL to be in consideration for interviews moving forward but it is significant news considering how long McCarthy was at the helm in Green Bay and how we were so used to Green Bay's winning ways and at this point seeing a coaching change just seems odd at this point in the year now I'm gonna move into my Thursday night preview between the four and eight Jaguars at the six and six Titans now leading the Jaguars is backup quarterback Cody Kessler who replaced the struggling starter Blake Bortles after Jacksonville's seventh straight loss in week number 12 in Kessler's first start against Indianapolis 
He got the win, although his numbers were not all that impressive. He went 18 for 24 for just the 150 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. This game was 6-0, so there really wasn't any offense for either side. The Jacksonville defense dominated and shut down Andrew Luck. But with Kessler now taking snaps for the Jaguars, they're going to look to take down another AFC South rival when they take on the Tennessee Titans on Thursday night. The Jaguars are 1-4 at home and 1-3 against teams in their division. And in week 14, they'll have a chance to take on yet another better ranked division opponent in the Tennessee Titans. And as for the Titans... Despite Marcus Mariota's pick six in the first half of the game and being down 16-6 to to the Jets at halftime, the 6-6 six six Tennessee Titans eventually got the job done by marching down the field and scoring a touchdown with 37 seconds remaining, making it a 26-22 victory to keep their Playoff hopes alive in the AFC wildcard. The Titans have won three of their last five games and could use an easy AFC South win against the weaker Jaguars to improve their chance of getting into the postseason. Tennessee is 4-1 at home, so they have been able to play some of their best football in Tennessee. They're 2-2 against teams in their own division and are favored by four and a half points in this matchup. So there is plenty at stake in this matchup for the Titans, while the Jaguars look to play spoiler in Nashville. Now here are a couple of matchups that I'm going to be keeping an eye on in this particular head-to-head showdown between both teams. The first one being the Jaguars' 18th ranked rushing attack against the Titans' front seven. Now, the Jaguars' run game is rejoined by Leonard Fournette this week. And a big reason for their lack of production against the Colts was the absence of Fournette, who was suspended a game after taking a swing at Bills defensive end Shaq Lawson in week number 12. Now, Fournette, he's no stranger to missing games as he's only played in five of them this season, running 90 times for 314 yards and 4 touchdowns while hauling in 14 receptions for 134 yards and a touchdown. To help their struggling run game with Fournette banged up with that lingering hamstring injury, General Manager David Caldwell brought in Carlos Hyde in a trade with the Browns and he's carried the ball 40 times for 129 yards averaging just 3.2 yards per carry. So the Jaguars have two power running backs with Fournette and Hyde, although they have been unable to replicate last year's production on the ground. Jacksonville is averaging 111.2 yards per game with a 4.1 yards per carry average. And teams playing Tennessee... Averaged 20.4 points per game and 341 total yards. Now the Titans, while they are just limiting teams to scoring 20 points on them per contest, 
They're 19th against the run. They're allowing 120 yards on the ground per game with a 4.4 yards per carry average, which is pretty surprising considering the beefed up front seven that they have on their roster. Daquan Jones, Jarrell Casey, and Austin Johnson, that's their three down linemen and Dean Pease's 3-4 defensive scheme. Now the Jaguars have dealt with a bevy of injuries to their offensive line, but left guard Chris Reed, center Tyler Shatley, and right guard A.J. Can will still have their hands full going up against this Tennessee front because I fully expect Pease to load the box to shut down for net because I think they're going to like their chances to win this ball game if Cody Kessler is going to be having to throw the ball 20 to 25 times on Thursday night. So Wesley Woodyard, Brian Arakpo, Harold Landry, these edge rushers from Tennessee are really going to hover around the line of scrimmage hoping to contain this rushing attack and Leonard Fournette. Now, this is a guy that doesn't have the most quickness, but he does have the ability to wear down opposing defenses. So if this Jaguars makeshift offensive line can generate some push at the line of scrimmage and dominate the time of possession, then they may give themselves a chance to win this game on the road. But... This Titans defense, I think they're going to have to play with another level of urgency in this game. This is a must win for Mike Vrabel's team. So this battle in the trenches between the Jaguars offensive line and the Titans defensive front will be pivotal as to which team can come out on top. Now matchup number two here, I'm just going to flip the tables on this one. It's the Titans 17th ranked rushing attack against the Jaguars front seven. Right now, Tennessee's offense, they're at the bottom of the barrel, ranked 28th in a league of 32 teams after only scoring 18.4 points and gaining 310.2 total yards per game. So yes, Matt LaFleur has been beneficial for Mariota's development as a quarterback, Although it really has not proven itself in the stat sheet, this offense, it's like pulling teeth trying to move the ball on a consistent basis. At times they look promising, running counters and inside zones with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis getting him involved in the pass game. But both of those backs, they share snaps in the backfield. Their combined rushing attack ranks 17th, as just mentioned, which is a little bit underwhelming considering the skill set that both of those players bring to Tennessee's offense to go along with a pretty talented offensive line. Henry has run 139 times for 532 yards and five touchdowns, while Lewis has touched the ball 135 times for 464 and a touchdown but of course he does play more of a role to the air 45 catches 309 yards and a score now the Jaguars they're allowing opponents to score just 20.2 points per game and are 16th in stopping the run so these two defenses are very similar in that they're dominant 
in overall defense, but when it comes to stopping opposing teams' rushing attacks, they've been middle of the pack, so to speak. Jacksonville, you know they have all the talent there. Beefed up, Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, Marcel Darius, Abry Jones. So you know they're equipped to shut down any running attack that they face. However, it just seems like the second tier of their defense of Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, they've struggled to find the right reads to shut down runners from hitting the open gaps. And this Tennessee offense, they have a couple of smash mouth players. I'm talking about Taylor Lewin, Jack Conklin, Quentin Spain. These guys are maulers up front. And when Tennessee can find their groove, getting in a rhythm with these running backs, then they become hard to stop because that opens up the rest of the playbook for Mariota and LaFleur to thrive and keep defenses off balance. So just as I talked about the importance of Leonard Fournette and this Jaguars offensive line getting after it, the Titans will have to do the same because whichever run game can survive the initial tough sledding that this game will likely present in the first half will likely come out with a victory so look for Henry and Lewis to get plenty of action whether that be up the middle or on the perimeters with a guy like Lewis that carries that unique skill set but it's also worth mentioning that Jacksonville has those linebackers and safeties you got Deshaun Gibson and Barry Church These guys can run with just about any running back out in the flats. So it's going to make this run game all that more important for both sides. And the last matchup here, and this is more of a one-on-one matchup that I want to break down. And it's Corey Davis against Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey missed pretty much all of last week's practice with a knee injury. But after pregame warm-up, he decided to play and his impact was felt as... He had a large part to this Jaguars defense shutting down Andrew Luck and the Colts in week number 13. But Corey Davis, I want to highlight him because while Mariota also throws to guys like Taewon Taylor, Tajay Sharp, Jonu Smith, the tight end, who all average a combined 197.5 receiving yards per game, with only three other teams being worse. So you know there's not a whole lot of big play ability from that crop, but Davis is the clear-cut number one wide receiver for Mariota, which means he's likely going to draw Ramsey for much of the game because if you're Jacksonville, you're saying, let's shadow Davis with our best corner and we will take the rest of the receivers on a one-on-one matchup. But Davis... Although his numbers do not jump out at you, he has scored a touchdown in each of the last two games. He had four receptions for 96 yards and one touchdown against Houston. And then three receptions for 42 yards and a score against the Jets on seven targets. Now this is where it's going to get even harder for Mariota and this Titans offense to get going. Jacksonville, they rank third in pass defense, as you can just imagine with players like A.J. Boye and then Ramsey, Gibson, and Church, as I just mentioned. So 
they make it very challenging for quarterbacks to pass for chunk yards against them, which could open up the check down game for Mariota, having to really just pick his way down the field, taking the open tight end and Janu Smith, or settling for the check down with Taewon Taylor and quick bubble screens. So Davis, who could have some one-on-one battles, if he can get out there and prove to Mariota like he has this season that he can win these 50-50 jump balls over a corner like Ramsey, that could pay tremendous dividends for a Titans offense that's gonna need to garner sustainable drives to avoid being upset by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So these two players are big, they're physical at their position. I look forward to watching both of them go toe-to-toe on Thursday night. Now for my game prediction, I'm gonna take the Tennessee Titans to beat Jacksonville in a low-scoring game 20-16, to while Tennessee's offense, yes, they've struggled. They rank on the bottom half of the league. I still think they will be able to get a strong enough performance from their defense to completely wipe away Fournette from the game plan and make Cody Kessler beat them with his arm, which I think is a formula that should be followed. You look, he threw for 150 yards last week. This guy's not a guy that's going to pull a Nick Mullins on a Thursday night and go for 270 and three touchdowns. This guy is just in there to avoid and limit turnovers. And as highly ranked as the Jaguars defense is in the NFL, They are only tied for 20th in total interceptions with 9 and are 27th in sacks with 24 and that's another shocker considering the type of players they have coming off the edge. But I look for Mariota to do just enough to escape with a narrow victory and keep his team alive in the playoff picture. Titans improve to 7-6 while the Jaguars drop another game to move to 4-9 and nine on the season. Well, there you have it. My Wednesday midweek episode here on the Chase Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. I will be back here on Friday to preview Sunday's slate of games and share my predictions for each matchup. But until then, have a blessed evening and take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.